Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr. Today I'm pleased to welcome Reverend Julian Deschazier. As a national speaker, advocate, and MC, Julian Deschazier, also known as Jay Quest, has appeared on BBC, Fox, NPR, and Dr. Maya Angelou's Oprah and Friends radio program. Jay Quest is also an Emmy Award winning musician, featured in the video Strange Fruit, a commodity commemoration of the Billie Holiday song and a meditation on racial violence. The Chicago native and graduate of Morehouse College and the University of Chicago Divinity School is a leadership Greater Chicago Fellow since 2020 and was also recognized by Crane's Chicago Business as one of 40 under 40 leaders in Chicago. He's been named by the Center for American Progress as one of 10 faith leaders to watch in 2018, he serves as the inaugural chair of the Community Advisory Council for University of Chicago Medicine. He's associate director of the Office of Experiential Education at McCormick Theological Seminary and is also a former adjunct professor at the University of Chicago Divinity School. In 2021, Julian was inducted into the Morehouse College Martin Luther King Jr. International Chapel Board of Preachers. Julian is a regular contributor to On Scripture and Sojourners, where he is also a board member. He and his wife, Mallory, have two fierce daughters, and you can find him on all socials at PureQuest. That's Quest with a K, PureQuest. So let's welcome Julian to the show. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? I think that's enough, don't you? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going through... Uh... You know this this pandemic reality with all of us right now. You know, with with daughters here, and I'm a teacher. I gotta add that to the bio. I'm a school teacher right now. Really? You know, with yeah, these kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, well, this is the first day in a long. It feels like a long time. I'm without kids, so I don't have to worry about kids interrupting. Uh, if you listen, perhaps some of my longtime listeners will will know. There's there's a few instances or episodes of kids making an appearance a vocal appearance in the podcast for sure oh they might end up in this one so don't you know yeah as we'll long welcome, as i we'll know welcome. i'm safe here all right good. yeah good. yeah you're safe here um today is also as we're recording this uh saint patrick's day i'm wearing green you're in chicago how close are you to the river is it oh, is it yeah. green uh you know i haven't looked today that's that whole school teaching <laughs> thing so i haven't looked <laughs> yet but uh i'll be outside you know after this and and we'll be able to kind of see what's going on i'm sure it's green though like yeah. come on now this is chicago on saint patrick's day it's green. yeah awesome that's, that's, that's a safe bet well tell our listeners a little bit about your spiritual journey uh how you came to faith ministry all that stuff yeah i'm, I'm a kid from the south side of chicago that's where i was born and raised and that's where uh all of my great influences come from, raised by a family of uh, women who uh, deeply invested in me, the 
power of faith and the importance of having a faithful journey, but let me make those decisions on my own. And so I think like most kids, I, I came into my faith uh, through music, you know, through popular mm -hmm. culture. And so mm -hmm. I was a Wu-Tang fan. And so I started off uh, as, you know, in Islam, you know, with the, mm -hmm. with the 5% nation of Islam, black Muslims, because that's mm -hmm. where they were. And then when I heard Common, who was, you know, another Southside MC from Chicago, uh -huh his blending of islam and christianity and new age thinking all that it just really it stung me that's the best mm -hmm. way to think about it it was like a bee sting it was just like wow what is this yeah and so i started to pay attention a lot more to these sacred books and to these cultures and all of that christianity was was really the one that that stuck with me in a very meaningful way thanks to a youth group that uh, was near me where I was growing up that mm -hmm. let kids come up and uh, rap and and uh, do use their voice to do whatever they wanted to do. Like they would yeah, just yeah. It would be like open mic season. And for me, I grew up in hip hop. You know, I'm a child mm -hmm. of hip hop. I was I've been writing music before I did anything else. And so having that opportunity first just to get on stage it was like, all right, mm -hmm. well if I can go do something there, I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. You know. Uh, and then eventually them earning my trust and being able to to talk about more of what was going on in my life is yeah, yeah. you know that's i would say that that's that was the important thing for me was being in a relationship with that church and mm -hmm. how that brought me into a relationship with god and really thinking about my faith in a different way uh, getting to pastoring is you know a whole nother longer story yeah uh, but yeah. but yeah no this is it's been a good ride and what would you say ride. What would you say looks different about your faith today versus early in your life then? Yeah, I, I would say like in the past, being a Christian was very much about like making other Christians. It was that kind of on fire for God. Yeah, yeah. Radical, evangelical kind of vibe and really just figuring out like, all right, how can I live my entire life so that as many people will come to Christ? You know, this actual language you yep, know, as yep. possible. Um, and, and really, like, how that changed was that the success around that really taught me nothing. You know, there were people who would uh, join church and, and name me as one of their peers, but also a leader who helped get them into that. It was very humbling. But, you know, the success didn't really teach me anything. It was the failures, you know. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. When I failed, you know, and college was good because mm -hmm. I ran into people who wanted to be treated like humans, you know, they wanted to be treated like people, not numbers, not statistics, not people to save, but people to mm -hmm. be in relationship with. And it taught me really how to be a better Christian or, or maybe an actual Christian, depending on how you think about it. I know yeah. for me now it's like instead of looking at the straight up, let me go and save as many souls as possible. It's about looking at the pattern of Christ's life and mm -hmm. making sure that things that matter to him matter to me and organizing my life and my actions to be as closely aligned with Christ as possible. You know, being a disciple, being a disciple and having a faith that that in the midst of everything can give me strength and joy and peace and all that. That's that's what the faith means to me now. Yeah, awesome. Uh Name a spiritual practice or, you know, you can give more than one that's been meaningful for you or you might recommend others. Oh, my goodness. A spiritual practice. 
the first one that comes to mind for me is like the value of silence. Oh, yeah. And, and being able to practice silence every day. It keeps me from moving too quickly into decision making. You know how, we're, how we can get into that, like a yep. thing comes up and we're yep. immediately trying to solve it and fix it. But yep. like it's just to insert this little space in between that to be still, you know, in the, in the truest sense of be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, and, and a chance to remember my commitments and to who and to what I'm accountable to. And and if I do slow down enough, I begin to hear something in the midst of that. And that, that process has not failed me yet. And so stillness is a spiritual practice that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I recommend it to anybody, even if you can only get 30 seconds, an intentional 30 seconds can can mean more than a than a uh, distracted five minutes, I think. So um, that's good stuff. That is good yeah. stuff right there. Yeah. Especially now, especially now in the season we're in. Well, uh, Julian does obviously a lot of stuff. We read it or I try to read it, uh, but. As I was trying to, trying to figure out what to talk to Julian about, I came across this blog he wrote uh, a, what, a couple years ago, it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a story, 85 seconds, the story of, parentheses, quitting, story of a quitter, quitting marathon. I can't read. I'm sorry. <laughs> but as I read through this blog, I really connected on some broader themes that as a as a pastor myself and, and Julian as a pastor, I really wanted to hear more about because I saw such a correlation. So, so Julian, we're going to, him and I are going to talk through some of these. Um, and the first theme I saw was talk about kind of this, this weird story, kind of funny story about how you decide your unique path to running. Oh yeah. Like, like you talking about with the heart condition and everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, gotten diagnosed with a heart condition and the the way the cardiologist said it was like oh you'll be fine you know it's cool but you'll just never run a marathon you know mm -hmm. like as, as long as you don't want to do that then you'll live a happy normal life and I heard that and was some it was just a competitive thing mm -hmm. in me that was just like what okay on at that moment I decided I'm running a marathon you know, yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm doing this thing and, and started with a 5k, you know, and just picking a 5k and you go online couch to 5k. Like, mm -hmm. how do I go from yep. not running at all to trying to get 3.1 miles in and, and really just building up that discipline of running for me, which, which I think I needed in my life in a lot of different, for a lot of different reasons, but mm -hmm. that discipline became the ways in which you might see on the internet how people talk about running as addictive mm. and and really talk about the compulsion towards running or even if they don't talk about it you just kind of notice it when you're on running blogs like everybody on a running yeah. blog is very serious you know yes. like no, yes. there's no like hobby run like oh i might get a few miles <laughs> in this week like everybody's super serious so it can be very intense and and sometimes off-putting to uh -huh. me and so for me like to be distanced from that but just to say like what would it be like for me to just get up and try to do something every day get into the cadence and the rhythm of like every single day and and that became a spiritual practice for me now again as i read this julian i i made the connection between the unique call that the unique beginning that you had to running and the often unique calls that people have to ministry 
So I want to hear more about uh, that connection, your perspective on that. Yeah, I, like, I don't, you know, I, my call to ministry came by virtue of me, like, recognizing what was possible, mm. recognizing what mattered to me in the world. I just started to pay attention to, like, what mattered to me. What what was I focusing on just a little bit more than everything else? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of told me that maybe my vocation has something to do with that thing, you know? Uh. And, and so like just tending to the things that were gnawing at me, you know, mm-hmm. that were haunting me. Yeah. Either, yeah. And in the truest sense of haunt, like keep you from sleeping at night and wake True. you up real yeah. early in the morning, you know, like, yeah, I think that, and, and running kind of hit me in the same way. Like it, I just, there were other activities and things like exercise kind of stuff. Like, you know, you try to stay fit or you actually think about fitness once you get into like your late twenties or something, you know, once you Uh realize that like everything you eat is not going to just disappear from you. Some of this is going to stay now. Like, (laughs) and that happens at different ages for everybody. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was when I just said, all right, let me, I need to find something uh, that I can do on a more, on a regular basis not mm-hmm. like once a week, but something that I can do. And I would try other stuff. This just stuck. It just like, it just, I wasn't good at it mm-hmm. much. Like I was not good at ministry. <laughs> I, I don't think when I first started, you sure. know, but I had a, a deep passion. I wanted yeah. to learn from other people. And that became like the willingness to learn and the willingness to keep at it. Yeah. Um, and always be questioning how I was doing it, whether it was form or anything, you know, I, so I can see how you would read that and see the parallels between this and ministry for sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I want, so I'm going to keep going with this, this metaphor here. Okay. Heart conditions. So you talk about your, what, if you read the blog, you kind of question whether the doctor was legit in his, his diagnosis. But again, it got me thinking about, that idea of our real limitations in ministry and in life versus bad ministry advice or bad advice from a mentor or a coach. Right. How do you balance those? I think, I mean, you really never know which is which until yeah. you have a, right. until you know yourself. Yeah. And so then good. once you, once you know yourself, then when you hear somebody speaking against that self, which you know to be true, Mm-hmm. Like for me, I, I grew up in one church, that church I described, I grew up in that. And then the way I left that church and ended up in different denomination was because at one point a leader in that church said, well, you know, we think you have real talent and skill for ministry, but um, when you're ready to get that music stuff up and get serious, let me know. Ah, and mm. we got something for you, right? That, now mm-hmm. they thought they were offering me a job now, but for me... I immediately recognized because I knew the sense of music that that was so central to my identity mm-hmm. that whatever I was doing, I was not going to be able to lose that. So when I heard them say that, I knew, okay, this is bad advice. This yeah. is not, this is not like wise sage advice. This is advice from somebody who does not see me. And I need to be careful about that. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the reason why, I, I I didn't know whether I had a heart condition or not. Mm-hmm. So when I first started running, 
like I just knew that I felt okay. Mm. Like, like I'm, I don't like everything people are describing about the symptoms of running. I feel all those, but I don't feel anything else, you know? Mm. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, I guess I'm just getting in shape. Let me just, I'll keep the fact that I might have a heart condition in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do that to this day, but let me continue to push and train. And the moment I feel something that's irregular, yeah. the moment that I feel something dangerous, knowing my body, I'm going to stop. I mean, like the truth is I was ready to stop the moment I started running that marathon. Like on that day, I knew that there was a chance that I might not finish that marathon if I felt something. Hmm. I was ready to stop if if mm-hmm. it got dangerous. So I I think wh- whatever whether the advice is sage or questionable or outright bad, that comes from us listening to ourselves and listening to our own spirits and our own bodies and then weighing that against like the truth that they are trying to share must match or be cohesive and harmonious with the truth that we know about ourselves already. So much good stuff right there. So much good stuff. Um, you talk about, like, you know, I ran, I've ran a couple of marathons, and, you know, you talk about in your blog, like, you kind of go out, you got to go out for those long runs, like once a week at least. Yes. You go out for these three, four, <laughs> depending how slow you are, sometimes five mile, five mile, five hour long runs. And that hours. takes you, that takes you away from family. Yeah. From friends, from relationships, and man, once you know it, ministry does the same thing. Uh, sure talk about we're both we're both fathers, family men. Talk about the sacrifice of family, and, and how do you balance that? You you talking in your blog about the struggle of balancing running with your family? Yeah, it's. I mean, I couldn't have run my first, second, or third marathon, or or have made it one day in ministry without my wife being cool with it, you know, Mm -hmm. and being a partner in that journey. She wasn't doing the running, but she was providing the kind of atmosphere to where I didn't have to feel guilty about running, Mm. where I could feel like this running was important, a part of my life, and I could go ahead and pursue that with her support. I think it's the same thing with pastoring or any of the advocacy or music or anything. You know, I just shot Mm -hmm. a, a music video this past weekend, like, she was here with the kids two days, you know, and and like I couldn't have done that. She's not in the video at all, but there's no way I could have been able to do that without her. And so I'm, I'm deeply appreciative and recognize that, like, even though you only see one person, ministry yeah. is a partnership. Yep. Ministry is always collaborative, you mm-hmm. know, and so anytime I find myself doing something that's not collaborative, or mm-hmm. in the spirit of collaboration or, or honor in this partnership, I know immediately something's off. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it, that does not match with the truth of what this is supposed to be, just like the advice stuff, you know. And so trying to make sure that it's that everything that I'm doing is collaborative and and also making space um, for the things that she needs in the midst of that, which means me sometimes slowing down and stopping and, and was was one of the 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 motivators for me to stop running Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of things but that was also one of them like she's you know for for three marathons she's put herself in this cadence and this rhythm of supporting me in this way yeah and it's hard it's hard 
to do it. You yeah. know, <laughs> like it's hard to run a marathon and it's hard to support somebody. Their diet changes. Everything shifts. Their sleep <laughs> habits, their availability, their mood, yeah. all of that shifts, you know, and that stuff happens in ministry, too. But like knowing that there are some times where I can sit, sit that stuff down and say, OK, let me be your partner now. What do you need? What are you working on that I can be supportive of, even if it means I need to be away from the church some, you know, so like that. It's that ebb and flow of like, all right, who who needs what right now? You know, and how can we make sure that everybody has what they need that I think is is ministry and, and definitely running for sure. Yeah, really good. You know, the memory that comes to mind, speaking of sleep, from my experience, Julian, is just like after long runs going to bed and my my legs just throbbing. Yeah. Just throbbing. <laughs> yeah, like I need some icy hot right now. I yeah. need... I need to lay in a certain position. I need every, like, yeah. there's so much need that a person running a marathon has. You're almost like a, a newborn baby, you know? <laughs> like, you just, like, are helpless and, and need other folks. It cannot be done alone. Well, I'll confess, I didn't change my diet that much, but that's another conversation. <laughs> well, th- well, here's the thing. You add more calories. You that's know true, that? yes. So, yes. Like, so yeah. it's not necessarily becoming healthier. It's just like, oh, <laughs> I, we're eating 3,000 calories yeah. a day, but how come you gaining weight? I'm not, right? Because I'm out right. running this, these races. So that, <laughs> that's the kind of sacrifice we're talking about here. You know, I'm bringing all types of junk in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, again, the title of the blog is 85 seconds. And this is kind of the, one of the things that really, really stuck out to me that I wanted to touch on. You're right about how through this kind of experience, you kept, you're chasing after, what was it getting under a, was it a five hour marathon or four hours? Yeah. I want, I wanted to beat five hours. Yeah. Beat five hours. And you were short by 85 seconds. And (laughs) I know, I feel your pain, uh, as a runner or at least former runner uh yeah. that's another story how you want to break those and running like times is like you know it's like those are your markers that's it but you write that it ain't worth a lifetime and it just struck me it just struck me how uh knowing when to be content not just in life but more so in ministry because mm. I don't know about your experience, Julian, but I, man, I know that so many times in ministry, it can be about, man, if I can just get five more people, if I can just make worship service a little better, um, Mm -hmm. if I can just do this, if I can just do that, and you're just Mm -hmm. chasing those 85 seconds. That's right. That's right. No, you, 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 you hit the nail right there. Um, and, and in both running and ministry, but we keep it, keep it at ministry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like having those realistic goals, having healthy goals, mm-hmm. you know, I could have said, I'm gonna run three and a half hours. I could say, I'm gonna take a church from, um, from 50 people a Sunday to 200 people, right? Yeah. Like, oh, sure. You could say all that and sure it might happen, but the kind of work, the kind of, um, stress that you're going to have to push yourself through and push yeah. yourself out there. Uh, will it bend your integrity? Will it bend your authenticity? Will it stretch your muscles to the point of tearing, you know, or will you be able to do this in a way that's healthy? 
to have realistic goals is to say, all right, 50, now let's get to 55. Let's get to 60. Yeah. Let's get to 65. Um, or even thinking in metrics beyond the number, the, the butts and seats, mm-hmm. you know, but to say like our engage, measuring our engagement in the community was yeah. the way that I that I started looking at university church. I've been there close to 11 years now. And, and everybody was so like into the numbers. And I was just like, well, I've seen plenty of big churches that weren't healthy. Mm -hmm. So let's pause for a moment and talk about what a healthy uh, marathon looks like. Let's talk (laughs) about what healthy ministry looks like uh, where you can get up and walk afterwards, where you can get, you know, where you, where you feel good about what has just happened. Yeah. And, and that's when the conversation shifted from like butts and seats or finances, all that stuff's important, you know, because you want to be solvent, you want to be able to stay open and, and doing the good work, but what does the good work mean? You know, what is that work? Can you all tell me that? Can we talk about what it means for us to have a healthy relationship with our surrounding community, with the school next to us, with, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the police, whatever, and whatever that means. And that's shifted so much right, right now, you know, right. but to always be asking, like, what does health look like for us? What, how do our values match up with our work? And when that stuff happens, then all the progress, even if it's one person, we can stop and pause and celebrate in the midst of that. And so, being able to celebrate progress in the midst of doing good work, I think is more healthy than crossing the finish line on a lot of big goals that may not be the thing that we're, we need to be working on right now. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, you use the word, you use the phrase feeling good about what happened. And I just, it, it sparked in my mind, the second marathon and unfortunately the last marathon I ran I, I swear, like I hit the wall at 10 miles. Like I hurt the last like 20 miles and literally like mile 24. I'm just like, I cannot run anymore. And I walked the last two miles and I hated every step. That's right. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I did not feel good about what happened. (laughs) Walking in a marathon is like crawling, like (laughs) crawling on your back. Like, yeah. it's like, it just feels like the worst thing in the world. Right, right. <laughs> I was so mad when I crossed the finish line. Some, you know, they're like, woohoo, here's Lord Richmond. I'm just like, shut up, shut up, shut yeah, up. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> but talk about, <laughs> talk about the toll on your mind, your body, and your spirit in ministry. Because the toll of that marathon and that marathon training had taken on me, uh, and it, you know, probably was related to the reason I can't really run anymore that length because uh, of some back issues. But mm. that speaks to the toll that marathoning and ministry has on you. So what have, how have you experienced that? Yeah, when it comes to running, I think, wow, you, you've really got something on this metaphor here. <laughs> running and ministry. Have, it's your metaphor, they, man. I'm just bringing it out of you. Oh, I guess you're right, Lauren. <laughs> I guess you're, you're right here. Um, but... Like, I became a healthier runner when I stopped comparing myself to other runners. Oh, 
Come on, when, keep going. When there. I stopped paying attention to their pace and how they ran and how many medals they had and how good they felt afterwards, I start like because when I started running, I wanted to be inspired. So I would just go and try to find inspiration from anybody doing it. And I had a friend who was a cross country runner in high school mm-hmm. and was just like in impeccable shape. Like yeah. had the, had a twelve pack. I've not I've not sniffed a twelve pack. All right, <laughs> like uh, and so. Like I was following him at first and that's, mm-hmm. and I was hurting myself. I was hurting myself trying to keep up with that until finally I said, well, what's, what's best for me? Mm-hmm. What's right for me? And realized like, oh, I weigh 70 more pounds than him. I mm-hmm. shouldn't be looking or thinking about him at all. You yeah. know? And when I finally started thinking about like body type and other height and all of that, like I started listening to people who were closer to that and their advice fit more for me. Mm-hmm. their advice worked because it was their body was my body you know and so uh, even listening to folks who were exercising with heart conditions and how they paced themselves and how they uh, had to continuously be monitoring their body on a regular basis it it helped me you know and I think the same thing is true for ministry you could look at the church down the street you could look at the ministry especially now on Facebook or on social you can yeah, see what they're doing you. You could say, oh, my goodness, I want to be there. I I want us to do that. I think we can do that. Or you could do this other thing where you say, like, I know that we're better than them. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I I know that we are more dynamic than this. Mm -hmm. And so how come we don't have that? Mm -hmm. You know, you can start to feel this real bitterness about ministry, about yourself about the church and all those things can lead to burnout in in some pretty dangerous ways i think if we're not careful and so for me being a because in chicago now there there is a church literally on every corner and within a half mile at at university church you are going to run into five or six other ministries Mm -hmm. a half mile you know and so like and I might be underestimating to be honest, like it might be more. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the tendency, especially starting out to try to compare yourself to others, yeah. to try to differentiate, to try to establish a brand, all that kind of stuff that isn't faithful at all, but we do it in mass, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Especially at the beginning of ministry, it takes a while, I think, for folks to become comfortable enough in their skin and comfortable enough even with their flaws and their brokenness Yeah, to be able to say, I know what I do well, I know what I don't do well at all, and maybe these are opportunities for collaboration. Maybe I should be asking somebody else to do this and not me. You know, you carry it in a different kind of way. When you first come, when I first came in, I thought I had to carry everything. Yeah. And I over, I overfunctioned. Yeah. Like ridiculously overfunctioned, which meant that there were times when I hit the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not have to hit that wall. That wall was not because, oh, that just happens in ministry. No, that's what happens when we don't go about it in a healthy way. And I don't just mean self care, you know, taking a day off. I mean, like, being able to manage our expectations, uh, to manage how we do the work, 
and who does the work with us. Yeah. Um, our leadership styles, our values, our theology, making sure that all of those are faithful, you know, um, we'll come in believing in God in, in the perfect way, whatever that means, you know, but then the way that we practice it is completely toxic and, and not healthy for us. It, so we often introduce disease into our own lives, you know, Oh, yeah. and broken and in, brokenness into our own lives. Yeah. Because of, not because of what we believe, but because of how we practice what we believe. And mm. so, yeah, that's another chapter right here. Uh, Julian, Maintaining your pace. Bam. Are we writing this book We're writing right this now? Book right now. For those That's listening, I'm, I'm I'm telling Julian, this is a book right here. Uh, so we got to get him a publisher. If you're listening and you're a publisher, this man has a story that needs to be published. So we're going to work on it uh, from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Talk about, you write in your blog, uh, the past three to four years of your life, or as you wrote the blog, had been running. And I think you you wrote that in all caps, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And man, I don't know about you, but holy cow. Like, I can tell you, there's been some years of my life where it felt like the whole year, whole two years, whole three years had been ministry. Uh, yeah. Talk about finding balance in life and ministry. I think it, I was so exasperated because I realized that Running was something that I was becoming good. At. It was it was something to conquer, mm -hmm. um, and so it was happening, and it fed into my own psychological need to be in control of things. And mm -hmm. so, uh, in all the collaboration I was doing, whether it was a partnership at home with my wife, or raising kids, or doing ministry with other people, when I ran, it was just me. Yeah, you know, like so I could just go out there and do it. And so I liked that. I liked that. Um, because I needed a space in my life for that. But but sure. I really had to ask a different kind of question, uh, which was what brings you life, you mm. know? And when I felt tired, I had to ask what brings me life. And when I asked that question, running did not come up. Oh, it wow. wasn't even in like the top three. It was wow. like, I was, it was cool, but it wasn't like life giving. It wasn't life sucking, but it wasn't life giving, yeah. you know, yeah. in the same way that, you know, I hadn't released an album in years. Mm -hmm. You heard the gaps in time between in that discography, yeah. you know, like yeah. and at this point it had been three or four years since I had released something and realized that this coincides with um, my last album when I was running was in June 2010. And I started running at my first 5K I ran in September 2010. Mm hmm. And I had released no music since then. Wow. <laughs> right? Like, and so like, it was like time for me to say, no, 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 no. I'm not here to run races, even if I'm winning them, which I never will, by the way. <laughs> right. I'll never win. No matter how hard I work on this, I'll never win this. Yeah. So like, it's time for me to start thinking like, I ain't making no money doing this. I'm spending money doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, running can be expensive, you know? Like, I'm spending money yeah, doing this. Yeah, shoes are not cheap. For those and in doubt, shoes are not cheap. Like $120 for some shoes that don't even look good. You know, like ugly <laughs> shoes. You know, like not even like some fancy fashion stuff. But, yeah. you know, so for me, it was like, what brings you life? I had to ask that question to myself. Like, what brings you life? And I think that that happens 
for me now more regularly since I learned to ask that about running, but to say like, what brings you life, Julian? Um, is this ministry bringing you life right now? And if mm. it's not, how can we pause for a second yeah. and either switch up how it's being done or what's being done so that it can be life-giving for me too? The, I think the, the biggest uh, lie about ministry, the biggest myth about ministry is that we are put here to suffer. You know, and that and that there's valor in our suffering and that the more you hate this thing, probably the better the work you're doing, the more <laughs> tired you are. That means you're really doing good work. And like, no, like that's not the idea of this. This is supposed to be life giving mm-hmm. for us, even as we are helping to give life for others and offer life to the communities and people who, who we and God loves. Like, no, this should be life giving. Like we should pastors should feel joy you deserve joy yeah you deserve peace you deserve comfort you know this isn't prosperity gospel i'm not saying you deserve a lamborghini i'm saying you deserve joy Mm -hmm. like you deserve peace you deserve pleasure you deserve those things and so don't deny them uh out of a sense of being the suffering servant you know because that's not good theology that's not a good reading of Isaiah or the Gospels. There you, you know? go. And there so, you go. And so, you know, when I knew that that running didn't bring me joy anymore, um, I knew that even if I kept doing it, and I've, I'll still run a few miles every once in a while. I've been on the bike lately, but it's the same mm-hmm. thing with the bike. You know, like I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be. Uh, so locked into it that I can't walk away if it doesn't bring me joy. I'm not chasing anything on it. Yeah. If, it if the moment it stops being fun, I'm going to stop doing it, you know? And so I, th- I think in some ways that ministry is not necessarily that cut and dry where mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, the moment ministry isn't fun. Cause that's a lot of times when it's not, <laughs> yeah. <fun. laughs> you yeah. know, but that's the, but, but the reality is, is that that's no different for a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, I'm thankful to be in relationships with folks who are are all over the place in corporate ladders and doing incredible work. And it's like the work's not fun sometimes. It's not fun. Yeah. It doesn't bring pleasure. It makes you tired. It makes you stressed out. But the moment that it becomes that it stops being life giving, we have mm-hmm. to pause and say, all right, something's got to change here. I got to shift something here. And so I think that's ministry and everything else. There's good stuff here. There's good stuff here. Uh, jquest.com. You can find out more, find this blog and more about his work. Uh, Julian, let's take a break and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right. We're back with Reverend Julian DeShazier. And uh, I'll ask you some closing questions. You can take these as seriously or not as you'd like to. <laughs> okay. If you're Pope for a day, what do you want to do? What's a day like? That kind of thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Such a great segue. Uh, <laughs> I like a good sharp transition yeah. out of a serious yeah. conversation. If you were pope for a day, um, like I couldn't. I don't know, Lauren. I couldn't get anything done in a day. Um, I would love him to go talk to his his Catholic. I would love as pope to go talk to my Catholic president and talk about immigration and all of that stuff you know but Mm -hmm. that's not a day like if i had a day i want to know like all the vatican secrets yeah yeah i know they got some secrets i know like yeah they know they know where the ufos are they know everything (laughs) 
I want the secrets and I want the special meals that the Pope eats. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like I know they got a special cut of the of the burger or something that only the Pope gets. I know it's something. Yeah. I want I want the Pope's recipe. I mean, that's they gotta, what I want. Besides the President of the United States, I mean, who else would eat that good, right? Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. So so not you know. Not to be facetious, because I actually, that's pretty serious. If I only had a day, I don't know if I'd try to get any work done. Like, I would I would try to, like, go go show me the archives. Let's go find the stuff nobody's yeah. supposed to know about, you know. That's good. Talk about a theologian, theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life. Oof. Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman. Yeah. I would love to have a conversation with and you know, in some ways, though, like there's so much of his. He wrote so much, yeah, um, and and was so profound in sharing his thoughts with the world. Like he's a prolific writer. Like there's pro- the pro the answer to any question I have is probably somewhere in a book somewhere that he's written. Mm, so yeah. so let me change that. I think I think I'll go with Frederick Douglass. Okay, sure. Uh, somebody who is is not very well known. Uh, certainly by my generation yeah and or you know by by black people like i don't think a lot of people i think you you kind of know frederick Douglass. you know there's this old guy with this gray hair you know mm-hmm. like you know the picture yeah but like that he was a slave and changed his name and uh used to fight people who were trying to pull him off the train. I just finished his biography a few months ago. Um, the, the, like the 900 page biography. Wow. And, and that left me like, I, I want to know this brother, like this Frederick Douglass, especially the conversations like Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. and compelling him to do the things that he did or convincing him not to do the things that Abraham sure. Lincoln wanted to. Sure. He's very close to not even to being nowhere close to on the face of a penny, you know, like, <laughs> but being a, on the very opposite end of American history. Yeah. So like somebody that influential needs to be known more. I would, I would love to break bread with him and yeah, that would be nice. 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 Uh, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Our manic devotion to things, mm. manic in the sense of like, we'll be at the rally going crazy for Black Lives Matter, and then like three months later, nobody's talking about it. Mm. You know, like yeah, from a th- from a thing that that kept you up at night, had people crying and putting all kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. All types of sermon, everything was just all around this, and and in ninety days, something that meant that much can now mean so little that it is barely even mentioned. I think I don't I don't know if that's indicative of our times, but it's something that I notice about our times with just the the feeding of content, like the yeah. twenty four hour yeah. cycle. Yeah, like it's just always something else to think about, and it, and it means that we care a lot about stuff for a little while. And then not only do we not, we might care about it, but we don't talk about it or put our energy into it or have something else that we think deserves it more. And I, th- I think that, 
I think we'll be judged for that, actually. I don't think we'll just be remembered for that. I think we'll be judged for that. Man, so good. So good. Because, I mean, that I really see such the same thing. Like, those top-level things that we need to be paying attention to, we can just so easily get distracted by whatever the latest news cycle is. And we yeah. fall into that, that trap. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of Christianity? Oh, I, I want... I want churches and a religion that is is more responsible and loving mm. that that goes alongside people in loving ways uh hurting people uh but also is able to go alongside thriving people and offer challenge and critique yeah. and you know to really go alongside people uh yeah, poor and rich, you know, yeah. I think is that's that's the future I'm trying to build, at least, you know, in one little corner of the globe. But yeah, that's that's I think that's what this is about, uh, to offer love and challenge, you know, inspiration and and to cause people uh, perspiration, you know, yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh, I yeah. don't want to be too cute, cute with the rhyming. But yeah, you know, like <laughs> love and challenge, I think is what what our faith can do very well and what our churches can offer to people. Yeah. Love it. I don't know about you. I, I, I live in the burbs, Denver metro area, you know, okay. and I, I imagine in Chicago there's, I mean, there's certainly a lot of poverty, but there's also great wealth. And it's like, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, I, I want to see some of these upper class rich folks. Like I want to see them grow. Like I want to challenge them to grow and in, in more closely faithful to the way of Jesus. And that's what I like Absolutely. about your way of saying coming alongside and helping those thriving people get quote unquote thriving people grow closer to the way of God. Right. Cause everybody's hurting. So, you know, yeah. we can go alongside people and still, and recognize when you, when you go alongside people, you recognize the threads that are part of the human existence that, that no one is able to avoid mm, pain, yeah. pain, grief, loss, uh, joy, peace, everybody feels those, yep. no matter what you have or don't have, you know, like you feel those things and you can go alongside people and help them make meaning of situations in that kind of way. But also like I'm, I'm, my context is very similar to yours. We're on the University of Chicago campus. We have tons of smart people, and but we're really diverse. We have mm -hmm. folks who are from everywhere. Yeah. And what happens a lot of times in uh, our congregation is very... Uh, I'm using air quotes here for folks listening, like very liberal, progressive, yeah. you know, what, what whatever words you want to use yeah. there, pretty far to the left. And what happens a lot is you spend a lot of time kind of either like yelling at the folks on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Or or like solely providing care, you know, being a charity arm for those who need it. Mm hmm. And when I got there, I would notice us on one side and say, okay, what would it mean to do both? Mm -hmm. You know, what would it mean to go alongside these folks who are the perpetrators? Not mm -hmm. just yell at them, not just yell at them, wow. but to be in relationship with them in such a way where, yeah, sometimes we're going to yell. You yell in relationships yeah. sometimes. That <laughs> yep. does happen. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you lose your temper, yeah. you know. And and in a relationship, somebody just did something wrong, and they need to be yelled at. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's, that's, that's the reality. But to be in relationship implies something deeper beyond that. So mm -hmm. not just pointing fingers yelling, but saying, like, let me 
help you to think about a more loving way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that requires relationship. Cause I don't want to hear no, uh, no, from nobody who just, you know, yells across the fence at me and tells me what I'm doing wrong. That's not my neighbor. You know, uh, if you are my neighbor, mm -hmm. we will be in a different kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Who is my neighbor? Yeah. Lauren, you know what I'm saying? Who is my neighbor? That's, that's something that I think about a lot in all of this. So man, we yeah, gotta try. We're yeah. gonna end. We could spend another 45 minutes on that. Yeah. Folks, easily. <laughs> uh, check this guy out. Where can they find out more about you? Oh, uh, jquest.com, J-K-W-E-S-T.com. I'm on social media at Pure K-West, Pure Quest, everywhere. So if you pop it in, you'll see uh, more blogging. I'm doing some video kind of blogging and devotional stuff now. So you'll see all of that. And the music, wherever you listen to music, go pop in J-Quest and Verbal Quest. That's my group, Verbal okay. Quest. And, Go listen to some good music and share it with people. That makes a difference for us indie folks. Yeah. Please let people know about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been a great conversation. Really appreciate your time and loved hearing your thoughts. Uh, so thanks again and may God's peace be with you. And with you, my brother. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is produced by Torn Curtain Arts in partnership with Resonate Media. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit futurechristian.com. If you've enjoyed the show and you think it would be valuable for others to hear, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That really helps more people find us. Thanks again, and go in peace. <laughs>